All right, and we're back this week with a regular favorite things, as normal as we get, which is to say, not at all. Nope, not at all. All right, so <laughs> uh, it's been a long week, lots of stuff going on. Yeah. Uh, this next week will probably be just slightly less busy, but uh, not by much. I think slightly less busy and slightly more stressful. Oh, that's fun. Always always fun to add more stress on top of a week i know but there is a silver lining we are one week closer to the playstation 5 and i am so excited <laughs> so, units units have started going out to the media i am not media so do not expect early impressions from me however uh do expect that as soon as one lands in my hands you will hear about it uh and i could not be more excited yeah, what is it, three weeks away or like? Oh my goodness, uh, it's three weeks from yesterday. We're recording this on Saturday, October 24th. Uh, the PlayStation 5 is due to release on Friday, November 12th, uh, in the year of our Lord, 2020. Um, Happy early birthday to you. Oh boy. Uh, however, that said, I'm not expecting to get it before that day or on that day. I'm actually expecting it because of covid and shipping issues and everything else i'm expecting expecting it to be probably a slightly belated birthday gift well, maybe it'll come on your birthday they'll deliver on sunday the 15th i don't know all i know is <laughs> i i couldn't be more excited i'm not going to be disappointed if it's not here earlier on time I, i'm if it comes early and i hide it would you be mad yes oh, okay very <laughs> Okay, so for I, can't, num- I can't save it for your birthday? No. Okay. You can say happy birthday if you want to move my birthday to that day. You can do that. I'm you not can, God. You can, you can come out with <laughs> cake and candles and, and you can put a bow on the box, but no, you, we can move, we can move what my birthday is. We, you don't get to withhold it. Okay. I'm not 10. Okay. Oh, goodness. Anyhow, uh, lots lots and lots wrong in the world, uh, and we're not here to talk about that, uh, at least not this week, um, unless we make not-so-subtle jabs at certain peoples uh, and ideas. Um, <laughs> but this week, uh, we are going to be talking about uh, our favorite things, and one of our favorite things is the Harry Potter franchise. Yeah. Um, so since the last episode... Uh, I uh, spent the 11 or $12 on the Nintendo eShop to get the Lego Harry Potter uh, collection. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, because it's been a while since I've watched these movies, and the whimsy and, and the raw joy that comes out of them is just kind of infectious for me. Uh-huh. And I, I don't want to trailblaze through these movies and, and miss... I, I, I want to savor them. They're they're like a dessert. I, I don't want to rush through this just trying to feed my grubby face. I want to I want to take my time. I want to savor them. I want to enjoy it. Yeah. And because of that, uh, I was sitting there. I was like, what can I do experientially right now to kind of expand that um, that that just that environment of this film. This. Uh, 
and and I I find that I do this a lot when it comes to a property that I really really enjoy. I I want to find every way I can I can enjoy it um, without burning myself out. Whether it's last year was the year of Star Wars, and we we had a Star Wars video game. We we uh, saw the movie. We watched the Mandalorian leading up to it. We uh, let's see here. Uh, I watched every Star Wars movie leading up to the movie. <laughs> um, we eventually went to Star Wars Land. It, and I still love Star Wars in spite of all that Star Wars. It's, yeah. it's being able to plug in. Uh, right now, with it being COVID times, it's very difficult to do things like that. Um, I remember when we were in Ohio a couple weeks ago. Uh, on the day we were leaving, had I known it was coming, I would have changed the dates that we were going to be there. <laughs> uh, they were going to do a Harry Potter pub crawl. Oh, are you serious? Yes. On the day we left, like probably Aww. probably five hours after we were gone. We uh, should have extended our stay by one day. I thought about it, but that was expensive. And, <laughs> um, uh-huh. But I would have... I would have absolutely adored to do that because there there aren't a lot of things like that going on in the world right now because we we were un, under lockdown uh, restrictions started lifting and with more people moving about with less restriction more cases started surging and so now some of the lockdowns are coming back uh, yeah. not as restrictive as they they were from that okay. March to June period, but I've got a feeling that things are going to be under kind of a tight leash, uh, realistically for the next six to eight months. Yeah. And so, with that being the case, things like going to Orlando to Harry Potter World or anything like that, between that and you know not having money, um, <laughs> are kind of no nos. Um, so, the ability to pull out the Nintendo Switch and an extra controller if you want to join me and <laughs> jump into this this whimsical world it it's very enticing especially in this day and age and uh i know i'm on a major rabbit trail right now talking about video games but uh in in a world where sure you can go to a small gathering outside of your house on the days that you can't um, or on days like today. Today's kind of miserable outside. Yeah. It's just kind of dreary. Uh, there's no sun. It's, it's it rained most of the night, but it's not raining now. It's just it's it's icky and cold and wet, and it's it's all the things that you don't want to feel in your shoe, but you feel it everywhere. And <laughs> um, and so a day like today is a day to stay inside. And on those days. For me, video games are such a refuge um, that something like Harry Potter, and specifically Lego Harry Potter, which adds another layer of humor and, and whimsy on top of the magic of Harry Potter, uh, it's something to dive into. So um, this afternoon, after I take my inevitable nap, because it is definitely nap weather, uh, I'm going to dive in. Uh, and if you're not making goodies for someone else I, I might pull you along for the ride <laughs> that might be fun but anyway uh back to the movie just overall thoughts what what were your general thoughts about this week's movie so honestly some of my first thoughts as we were watching it mm-hmm. 
was um, when they got when they first got back to school, uh, back to Hogwarts. Uh huh. And Professor, help me again, Mac- McGonagall. McGonagall. I don't know why that's hard for me. Professor McGonagall was there, and just the look on her face, there was joy mm-hmm. and like love for these students. Yeah. On her face. And that kind of stood out to me because for some reason I had it built up in my head from watching all these movies in years past. Mm-hmm. Is that, sorry, the cats are fighting. Um, is that she was, uh, that she was out to get them. Like she was always, for some reason I built it up where she always had like a sour look on her face and that mm-hmm. she was always trying to be a get, she was always against the kids and trying to get them in trouble. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case. She's very loving and sweet, even when she has to discipline the kids yeah. for breaking rules. She does it out of love. And some of that might, some of that might be perception, and some of that might be. And I'm, I'm armchair psychologist right now. Um, I think some of that might be that your perspective on teachers and on adults in general changes as you get older. Yeah. Um, now I'm, I'm gonna say right now there are some people who they may have had the best of intentions but even with my change in and into adulthood into being an authority from being an authority no you acted like a jerk and it still comes off that way even in hindsight uh but there are some people that um they were they could be a little bit more stern on the outside but if you looked even just a half inch behind that, behind the, maybe they were a little short. If you look a half inch behind that, you can see even on the surface that they're looking out for not just your best as a student, but the best of all the students yeah. around. Um, yeah. But yeah, that that just kind of stood out to me this time. Because like I said, in years past, I always felt like I saw her as the, not quite an antagonist, but kind of up there with the like like she didn't necessarily want to be there and but that's not you not, that's not true and mm-hmm. now as we've been watching through I've been looking for that my perception of her in that what I used to think I'm like it's just not there mm-hmm. she's happy to be there and she's so excited to see her students and it's mm-hmm. like for me and my job you know when I go to work especially after it's been a we've been on a break mm-hmm. you know I'm so excited to see my my kids and you know there's that that's that joy that i i see on her on her mm-hmm. face and that and that i don't know that just kind of stood out to me throughout this this movie and the first one but then more so i saw it in the second one mm-hmm. and um yeah mcconnell's a, a great professor in the series and i would i would argue that out of all of the professors who get screen time she is the most she is the most accurate portrayal of an actual teacher professor mm-hmm. um, in how she deals with students. Uh, yeah. Mostly in the good, uh, but sometimes in the bad, uh, like in the last movie where she totally uh, bypassed the uh, the appropriate disciplinary actions for Harry breaking rules just so he could get on to the uh, Quidditch team. Yeah. Um, but... That said, uh, Professor McGonagall reminds me of one of my favorite teachers uh, and librarian, um, Brenda Gardner. Uh, Growing up, I went to the same school second grade through graduation uh, as a senior. And 
Miss Brenda Gardner was my librarian that whole time. And she, she is one of the sweetest, kindest, um, and yet most straightforward people you would ever meet. Uh And just one of the, one of the best people. And if, if people are favorite things, she is one of my favorite, (laughs) she is one of my favorite people. Uh Um, and seeing, seeing Professor McGonigal and the way she relates to students reminds me so much of her and the way she related to us. Yeah. So, all right. So, uh, my thoughts on this movie as a whole, uh, it is definitely darker than the first one. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's dense. It's very dense. Uh, I have from, border to border, front and back, two full pages of notes. Um, I have no idea how long this episode's going to be, but my guess is it's going to be a long one. Um, I really enjoyed this movie overall. There were definitely times during this movie where it became so dense, um, and there were so many plot threads being juggled that I had to check my phone and check Twitter or just distract myself just because it gets so caught up in its own web of goings on that it loses me Yeah. Uh, for, for probably not too terrible long. It's, it's usually only for about 10 or 15 minutes at a time, but that happened two or three times. And when you're talking about 45 minutes of a two and a half hour movie, that's a significant uh, chunk. And I think the reason that happens is this book uh, and Sorcerer's Stone, the movie before it, were so determined to be just, it's the book, it's the book, it's the book. What, what you saw in the book, you see in the movie. What you saw in the book, you see in the movie. And with these first two books, you could accomplish that because they're decent sized, but they're, they're not... They're not super dense, super long. Yeah. Once you get into the next book, into the next movie, you can't do that. You can't put everything that's on the page into the movie and it work. And so starting with the next movie, next next week's uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, they have to streamline quite a bit. And when they do that, they keep the meat and potatoes plot. Now, sometimes it's at the sacrifice of uh, plot threads that would be valuable later. Uh, And we'll talk a bit about that later. But for the most part, it keeps your attention in the movie. And if you watch these films as films, I would say with the exception of this one, you're watching a pretty straightforward movie. And it's, it's a fun the whole way through. This one's a little hard because it feels like it maybe should have had some either plot lines stripped out or it should have been turned into a mini series instead of a movie. Hmm. And I'm actually very hopeful in the modern era that at some point, maybe 20 years from now, we're going to be watching our kids or grandkids, uh, 
sit down in front of Netflix or whatever the streaming service of the day is, and there's going to be a Harry Potter series or mini series, and every season is a new book. That would be fun. And we live in an era where that happens yes. I, regularly. Uh, some of the top top series of our day on prestige TV are adaptations of books. Uh, but instead of doing two hours for a five to seven hundred page book, they do ten hours. And yeah. so you can get all the nuance. But because chapters in a book translate really well to episodes of television, you get more of that episodic storytelling instead of, all right, um, this has to fit together in two hours. Uh, some stuff's not going to get to breathe. All right, here we go. Yeah. And so things that each of these, each of these stories, each of these books, each of these movies takes place over the course of a year, you don't get to feel that time really breathe. And so we're supposed to be going through an entire semester, but 45 minutes happen. Right. And so you don't feel that passing of time. And, uh, I think one day we'll get that. Right now, it's it's not it's not there. It's not going to yeah. happen. But one day, I I am so certain with the popularity of Harry Potter. One day we will get a Harry Potter series. Yeah. And I can't wait. Uh, with that said, we're going to take a brief break. When we return, we will jump right into the plot of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. We are diving into Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. And once again, John Williams starts us off right with that just musical, we'll call it musical magic uh, that he brings to this movie. Um, and again, I, I think that these first two movies are, are fine movies. I, I think with a different composer, these movies would be good. But I think he ele elevates them beyond good, uh, yeah. just just with his musical score. Um, and uh, right off the bat, we notice that Harry's got his own room, which is different, uh, and that Hedwig is getting a bit antsy being locked up. Uh, and right away, we find out that during the summer, Harry has received no messages from his friends, and. Uh, the Dursleys are being total a-holes. Um, but that surprised no one. And they said they're being nice by letting Harry stay in uh, Dudley's uh, second, second bedroom. bedroom. Yep. Uh, in the book, I remember it being the, the room where he leaves all his extra stuff, like his second and third TVs, his <laughs> bikes that he's never ridden, his uh -huh. all of his stuff. Um, they accuse Harry of being ungrateful. And uh, Uncle Vernon is attempting to uh, wine and dine guests uh, from work. And at this point in the movie, we meet uh, Dobby the house elf and the stuff of my nightmares. Because I'm not sure who came up with the design for Dobby, but it is terrifying. <laughs> and if that thing if that thing came around a corner, I know you're not allowed to use magic outside of school, but Avada Kedavra, just right then and there. <laughs> just murder it, just kill it with fire. 
It's just terrifying. Uh, uh, Dobby is also a major drama queen and masochist. Uh, <laughs> he comes in and tells Harry, oh, you, you shouldn't go to Hogwarts or, or you'll die. And he's like, well, duh, that they don't care about kids. They, they kind of <laughs> told us if we, if we stepped out of wrong line or just looked at someone wrong, we would probably die. And there's like, no, you don't understand this year is we're really serious. And, and Harry's like, no, seriously, it, I get it. It's fine. My parents were murdered while I was an infant. We, death is kind of part of life for us wizards. And Toby's like, no, you really don't get it. And Harry's like, okay, dude, who's, who, who is telling you stuff? And then Dobby just starts ironing his hands and doing stuff to himself. Uh, and we learn at this point that apparently Dobby's family, in quotes, uh, are a-holes too. Um, so at this point, uh, Uncle Vernon busts in, Dobby goes invisible, and we learn that Harry has ruined the punchline to Uncle Vernon's best Japanese golfer joke. Um, <laughs> and, uh, at this point in the movie, Uncle Vernon goes back downstairs saying, don't make any more noise. And, uh, Dobby tells Harry at this point that uh, he's the reason that Harry hasn't gotten any mail. And we learned that Dobby is guilty of mail fraud in addition to crimes against humanity. <laughs> um, so after this, uh, Dobby decides to go downstairs. Harry's like, no, don't go downstairs. Uh, and he floats a cake over the people that... Uncle Vernon is trying to wine and dine and uh, drops a cake on one of them. And Uncle Vernon starts whining about how Harry is such a disturbed boy and they try to help, but it just doesn't work. And at this point, Uncle Vernon Rapunzel's Harry, um, locks him up in the tower of their uh, second story house. Um, and uh, Harry's like, great, I'm stuck here with these jerks. Um, and it's at this point, that you're like, man, I don't know if this is good or bad. Harry's life just kind of, kind of seems to be one big sewage pile. So <laughs> it, it, this hovers somewhere in the middle between at least I'm not locked under the stairs um, and I'm not being chased by a three-headed dog. So somewhere between those two is where he <laughs> lies right now. He's like, oh, this isn't great, but it's not terrible. Um and at this point, the Weasleys brighten his day by showing up in a flying car. Uh, and we learned that it's going to be a jailbreak. Um, why they have a flying car? We'll find that out here in a little bit. So Uncle Vernon hears uh, the breakout uh, occurring. And instead of being like, oh, thank God, I can, I can write this kid off. I'll be free. No, he proceeds to try to chase down and grab Harry. Why? He hates Harry. Right. He obviously hates Harry. He is showing a lot of, a lot of, a lot of uh, desire to keep this kid around. But, I mean, if you gotta remember, Harry's their slave. Barely. And I think in the first movie it makes sense. But in this movie, <laughs> he is he is a an unwanted house guest at yeah. best. Okay. And at worst. So they're, they're trying to keep him appeased at this corner of the house. Like, right. if it weren't for the fact that they're pretty sure that Harry will murder all of them, <laughs> they would 
they would literally have kept him locked up under the stairs. So they're trying to keep him somewhat appeased. They they don't want him happy, but they don't they don't want him angry. Right. Okay. So I I if I'm Uncle Vernon and I'm in my worst D bag just mindset, <laughs> I'm I'm thinking, okay. How do I say he ran away? He ran away. Good riddance. Yeah. Um, and at this point in the movie, we uh, we get away from the Dursleys, and we travel over to the Weasley home. If there are way too many L-Y names, don't worry, there are more. It is okay. Um, but the Weasley home is, is the stuff of magic. It is everything about it doesn't make sense, and I am here for all of it. Yes. There's like 17 floors, because... <laughs> Apparently, in the wizarding world, they don't believe in birth control. And so, uh, old Mama Weasley has popped out 123 kids. They At this point, they're coming in like litters of kittens. Like, they're just redheaded children just running around everywhere. Um, we meet Miss Weasley, and she's really sweet, uh, especially to Harry. Uh, she gets on her kids because they're jerks, but she really likes Harry. Um, and we'll find out here in a bit. I think Miss Weasley has a little bit of an affection for fame and fortune, uh -huh. um, and doesn't doesn't appreciate her kids the way she does, you know, famous people. Because uh, we'll see that she gets starstruck in a little bit whenever they go to the bookstore. Um, and when uh, little Jenny comes around the corner. Uh, she reacts like Harry Potter is an axe murderer. She sees Harry, and the look on her face is the look that you would see if someone had literally just killed someone and started eating them raw. <laughs> that is the look on her face. Not a, oh my gosh, a, a boy I like is here, or oh my gosh, well, a, a famous person is here. I saw it as a girl comes downstairs in her pajamas. To see the boy that she's been crushing on all summer long sitting at the dining table. Okay. And so that makes her stop and back up and be like, oh. Okay. I I understand the stop, back up, and oh. I don't understand <laughs> the look on her face with her jaw is three floors below her. <laughs> like you could you could put an entire McDonald's in her mouth. That is how <laughs> far her jaw has dropped. It is it is ridiculous. Ridiculous. But we digress. We will move on. Um, Mr. Weasley comes home from working at the Ministry of Magic. We find out that the reason he has a car, uh, let alone one that flies, is his whole job is uh, figuring out muggle artifacts and how uh, things work in the muggle world. And it's for this reason that he will keep asking Harry, uh, Hermione's parents, and anyone else he meets what a rubber ducky is for. Um, <laughs> and uh, when he hears that his kids ran away and took the car, he goes, oh, how'd it run? Um, and when his wife scolds him, he feigns disappointment in his boys. He goes, I'm very disappointed. And then, like, he he almost winks, but not quite, because you're pretty sure that Mrs. Weasley would just abuse the fire out of him yeah. if he did. Um 
At this point, it's time to go school shopping again, and the family is gonna use flue powder. Uh, this is where you use a special powder in the fireplace, and you get jetted across wherever you say you wanna go. And so when Harry gets in, instead of saying Diagon Alley, he says diagonally. Uh, he ends up uh, in the Adams family's attic. Uh, and uh, as soon as he comes out of the Adams family's attic, he is accosted by the homeless population of every major city. Um, but then Hagrid finds him and no one wants to mess with Hagrid. So Hagrid takes him over to the good side of town, which is ironically a half a block that way. Yeah. Um, like literally Harry could have looked to his left and he's like, oh, that's where I want to go. Hey, scary people, I'm going to go over there. Uh, if you need anything, just come over to the light um, <laughs> where I'm not afraid that I'm going to be uh, used for spare parts. So uh, my thing about that whole scene yes, is the fact that, you know, Hag Hagrid, Yes. Hagrid is telling Harry, you shouldn't be over here. You should be down here. This is just a bad part of town, whatever, however yeah. he said it. And Harry asked, why Why are you here? And I felt like he lied to Harry. Sweetheart, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> to drop a little truth bomb on you right now. An alternate title for this entire series is Harry Potter and the Adults Who Lie to Him, books <laughs> one through seven. Yeah. Because... Every every book, every movie from here on out will be full of Harry uncovering the lies yeah. people have told him since he was an infant. But it never explained why he was actually there. But it seemed like he was up to getting into trouble himself. Oh, yeah. Don't you remember in the last one he got he got a dragon from a shadowy guy in a gambling match at a True. bar? True. You don't, I guess that is true. He, you don't you don't gamble at an upscale bar. You right. you go to the place behind a bodega that's got a, a not up to code kitchen. You go back there and you play some Asian domino game. You don't even know what you're doing. Yeah. But you walk out of there with five grand and a half bottle of vodka, and you don't tell anybody about where the blood stains came from on your shirt. <laughs> But I'm not, I'm speaking metaphorically. I have right. no idea what, where any of this could have possibly happened. What were we talking about again? All right, back <laughs> to the movie. Um, when Harry finds the Weasleys, they are over at the Magical Barnes & Noble, uh, waiting for a book signing by Gilroy Lockhart, played to perfection by Kenneth Branagh. Um, and at this same place, we... Uh, meet Hermione and all the rest of the major cast, including uh, good old Lucius Malfoy, who is an elitist POS. And if you don't know what that stands for, it's point of sale or something else. <laughs> um, and uh, Mr. Weasley and Lucius have beef. Apparently they're co-workers at the uh, Ministry of Magic. Uh, Hermione's parents uh, are there and are just being accosted by Mr. Weasley. Uh, because Hermione's parents are dentists in the Muggle world, and uh, and so they are a goldmine of information for the uh, very sheltered Mister Weasley. <laughs> uh, the next day at Platform Nine and Three Quarters, uh, everybody makes it through except Harry and Ron uh, because the pillar gets performance anxiety. 
Um, and uh, at this point, Ron and Harry actually say out loud what the reasonable course of action is. Hey, we'll wait by the car and our parents will come help us. Reasonable course of action, yeah. right? Yeah. And then Harry goes, the car. <laughs> and then they promptly steal the car and fly it <laughs> uh, to Hogwarts. Not knowing the way, they decide to just follow the train tracks. And what's really funny is here in a bit, when they get in trouble for this, at no point is underage driving the issue. Right. At no point is underage driving the issue. The issue is that they stole the car. Yeah. And how will your dad get back to work? Get to work. The the right? next the next bit of magic in this movie is the fact that every scene you see that they're in in the flying car, the car is just the right size for two twelve uh, year old boys to drive. That is true. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Any. They would look like any full grown adult. Their knees would be next to their ears as they were driving. Yeah. So it truly was a magic car because it shrinks to the size of the driver. It shrinks and grows to the size of the driver. Or it's just a tiny car. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, they get kind of lost on the way to Hogwarts and they end up crashing into the Whomping Willow. Ron breaks his wand trying to, to get them out of trouble. And then the car kicks him out and drives away. And that's, I gotta be honest, if you're a bad driver, I think your car should kick you out. I think it should be an <laughs> option. Just the AI in the car is like, man, you are a crummy driver. You keep just dumping the clutch way too early. You're just... Dumping the clutch. Yep. All right. That's a term I've never heard, but okay. <laughs> I'm, I can't drive a stick shift, so I'm making up terms. Uh, you're just, you're sitting there and you're... Uh, you're just grinding gears. You're okay. you're just destroying the brakes, and the car at some point just has enough and kicks you out. <laughs> uh, anyhow, uh, Harry and Ron are harangued for their escapades, and that's for using my word of the day calendar. Um, but they are not expelled. Uh, but they get detention, uh, and they don't show it. But I've determined that it's Russian roulette uh, because after the last time where they were sent out to hunt down the. Uh, beast that was killing unicorns uh, <laughs> that they need an escalation for destroying school properties uh, as opposed to just being out late. So Russian roulette it is. But it's magical Russian roulette so uh, their corpses will haunt the school. Uh, Madame Pomfrey teaches uh, everyone how to repot mandrakes and if you thought Dobby was horrifying, all oh, these mandrakes this stuff they screech. They're these root creatures that they come out and they bite you if you try to touch them. And Draco Malfoy finds that out the hard way. Uh-huh. Um, he deserved it. Uh, after this, Ron scotch tapes his wand together. Not even duct tape. Scotch tapes his wand <laughs> together. Um, and at this point, he gets a howler from his mom. And a howler is is what would happen if your, if your mom could send you passive-aggressive or argumentative uh, like voicemails, but her spit, saliva, and breath could come out of the letter and you would get every bit of nuance and just just all the venom of anything she had to say, but it came via snail mail. Yeah. Uh, that's what a howler is. Um, and he just gets berated in front of his friends. Um, yeah, they all saw it coming. 
Yeah. And they saw what it was, and someone says, oh, you better just get it over with now. Yep. <laughs> You've got to have that was... As we move on from, <laughs> from that to the next scene, uh, we find out that old Gilroy Lockhart, celebrity and uh, book signer, uh, is the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. And uh, he uh, sets loose uh, these little blue demons. Uh, oh, pixies. Uh and then, uh, because he really stinks at magic, he runs away. And Hermione saves the day because uh, she's the real hero of all these movies. Uh, you're going to notice in this movie and in every movie after this, they have to find strategic ways for Hermione not to be at the right place at the right time. Because if she's there, she will solve everything in like three minutes. Yeah. Uh, we find out at this point that Malfoy is Slytherin's new seeker. Uh, and he calls Hermione a racist name uh, because that's who he is. He's a little white supremacist piece of garbage. Um, and uh, Ron curses himself, vomiting slugs in the in trying to curse Malfoy. Because his broken wand made backfired. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, <laughs> I got to be honest, Ron kind of brought this on himself. Uh, between using the broken wand, trying to make someone else vomit slugs, that just seems horrible. Um, but the three friends go to Hagrid's hut, and he helps with everything. He helps with Ron with the vomiting slugs. He's like, "Well, oh, only thing you can do is get them all out." Yeah. And just hunches him over a bucket. As that part makes me nauseous. <laughs> just the thought of it. It makes me nauseous. I've got a pretty strong stomach, and it makes me nauseous. But he sits there vomiting slugs while Hagrid says what the racist term mud blood means. Um, and he talks uh, Hermione down, telling her that she's the best wizard at the school. Um, in the next scene, we find out that Harry was not assigned to Russian roulette. Instead, he was signed to a fate worse than that. <laughs> he was signed. He was assigned to Gilderoy Lockhart signing his fan mail. Uh and he hears something like the devil saying, come to me, blood, I smell blood, kill. And at this point, I would go to the psychiatrist because uh, if you're hearing voices like that, um, and I got to be honest, Harry doesn't, again, uh, I'm not sure if this is direction, acting or what, but uh, the reaction Harry says is, yes, voice, yes, voice. <laughs> After the last movie, when he laughed at his cousin falling, presumably to his death in an anaconda pit, uh, <laughs> he hears the voice saying, kill, uh, blood, uh, and he's like, ah, I like this voice. I'm going to go uh, check it out. And uh, he chases the sound and finds spiders fleeing away, and in blood is written the phrase, the chamber of secrets has been opened. Enemies of the air, beware. And Filch's cat, Miss Norris, is petrified. Uh, and at this point, uh, having seen some of the other stuff that Harry's done and totally not reacted to, I'd be like, yeah, he's guilty. Uh, I do not blame Filch at all for seeing this yeah. and, uh, and thinking that. But Dumbledore orders everyone to their dorms. Gilderoy says it's a pity he couldn't save the day. And that's going to be a recurring theme in this movie is Gilderoy talks a really good game, but is absolutely useless. Everyone rolls their eyes uh, so hard that the ground shakes. Uh, Sna <laughs> Snape actually stands up for Harry in this scene, uh, which is a first, saying, oh, he couldn't have done this. Uh, 
And at this point, everyone's like, all right, uh, do we need to lock Harry up? Do we need to, uh, do we need to watch him closely? Um, but again, at the school, uh, safety, not really a priority because the very next day, everyone's just going back to class. Mm -hmm. uh, the next morning, Harry and company go to transfiguration class and learn how to turn animals into drinking glasses, which is horrifying. Why, why would you need to do that? Horrifying. Hey, guys, I've got an idea. Um, I, I know that human safety is a concern to everyone watching. So what we're going to do is we're going to turn your animal, your beloved pet, into uh, an inanimate object that is much more fragile than they are and could potentially shatter into pieces. Yeah. And then uh, Ron, being the super genius that he is, decides to continue using his broken wand to turn his rat into a half glass, half goblet. And I'm thinking, burn it. You need to kill that rat right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, Hermione asked about the Chamber of Secrets and because uh, Old McGonagall has to be the uh, carrier of exposition in this film, uh, she spills it for them and for us. We learned that the Chamber of Secrets was built by Salazar Slytherin, uh, who was a super racist Slytherin. Uh, and this makes our suspect, uh, our hero suspect, that uh, Draco Malfoy is probably the heir uh, who wrote the uh, blood graffiti. And at this point, they decide to make a plan to figure out what Malfoy's up to. But before we learn that, we will take a short break, and when we return, we will find out if Malfoy is the heir of Slytherin. All right, and we're back. Our three intrepid heroes, Harry, Ron, and Hermione, are trying to figure out whether or not Draco Malfoy is the heir of Slytherin. So if you're a 12 year old child in a magical school and you're trying to figure out if your rival is the evil bad guy, what kind of plan do you come up with? Just off the top of your head. Um, okay, so if I'm a 12 year old, yes. I'm trying to figure out if my, say again, if my rival yeah. is the evil bad guy. Yes. What kind of plan would I come up with? Yes. Following them around and catching them in the act? Yeah, that wouldn't be suspicious at no. all. No. All right, so... That's because I'm not creative. It's okay. <laughs> so Hermione <laughs> comes up with the idea to brew some polyjuice potion. Uh, it will enable the team to assume other people's forms, um, but it's going to take quite a while. Most of the semester, in fact. Uh, we'll come back to that later in this really dense movie. At Quidditch, Harry and Malfoy finally face off. Harry's chased by a rogue bludger during the game, and he gets his arm broken, but he manages to catch the golden snitch. Meanwhile, humiliating Malfoy. Uh, Gildroy makes things worse when he tries to help by removing all of Harry's arm bones. <laughs> it's just floppy flesh. Floppy, floppy flesh. If you think it sounds gross, you should see the imagery. It is very gross. Um, 
At this point, we come to find out that uh, the person who bewitched the bludger was none other than Dobby, Devourer of Souls. Um, he was also behind the broken pillar. Um, and all evidence to the contrary, Dobby is actually trying to save Harry. Um, and he's doing a really funny job at it, um, <laughs> considering almost everything he's done could potentially maim Harry for life. Yeah. Um, again, safety not really concern in this world. Uh, already in this movie, we've been introduced to fanboy Colin Creevy. Um, he runs around and takes pictures of everybody. And I gotta be honest, this is the first, uh, victim of petrification at this point in the movie that I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no, he had it coming. It's all right. <laughs> I mean... Sure, whenever we use the uh, Mandrake Potion, maybe we run out right about this bed? It's okay. I mean, it's it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy that he won't be popping up in the shower and taking pictures of us. <laughs> I digress. Anyhow, um, we find out at this point in the movie that the Chamber of Secrets has been opened before uh, as the professors stand around in the hospital just talking exposition uh we meet moaning myrtle uh the most sensitive annoying ghost um <laughs> in the girl's bathroom where hermione is brewing the polyjuice poly potion uh next we go to the great hall where gildroy lockhart and snape are heading up a dueling club to teach the students how to defend themselves and uh being good responsible teachers uh, Snape and Lockhart uh, put Malfoy and Harry as partners because no reason you should put two people who hate each other uh, in the ring together and not expect that they'll try to kill each other especially when you hand them loaded guns uh, and apparently they learned the wirework spells um, and then at this point Malfoy summons a cobra uh, because that's a handy-dandy spell. When you would need it ever, I don't know. Uh, just, you know, our zoo is not complete. Uh, ha! And you got a cobra, and you're like, and now it is. Now it is. <laughs> I used the cobra spell. Um, which is the one time that that would be acceptable. Uh, but Harry immediately starts talking to it like they're old buds. He's like, hey, we should grab a beer. We should hang out. Maybe don't bite that kid behind you. Um, and people don't like it because uh, he thinks he's talking in English, but he's talking like a snake, and that's not cool. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you right now, you talk like a snake, I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even carry a gun. I will find one. I will shoot you. Don't talk like a snake around me. Um, and uh, Harry disobeys the first rule of law and order and uh, tampers with the body that he finds when he walks around a corner. Uh -huh. Finds a kid just laying in a puddle and he's just like, oh, I'll touch the body and make sure he's okay. No, you walk around a corner and you see a body, you're just like, back up, scream help. Don't go near it. Uh, first rule of law and order, never, ever, ever touch the dead body. Um, and how come he was always the first one on the scene for all the petrified people? Except for... Once again, rule of law and order number two. Don't be in the wrong place alone <laughs> at the wrong time. Yeah. Always have witnesses. 
So he is sent up to Dumbledore's office, uh, and Dumbledore's office is just as quirky as anything else in this movie. Uh, and it's there that we see the sorting hat on a shelf. Harry begins to talk to the sorting hat because he's really trying to figure out if he might have ended up in the wrong house. Because he's not racist like the other Slytherins, but he has a lot of their other traits. Um, and at this point, we meet Fox the Phoenix, who promptly bursts into flame as soon as Harry sees him. And Harry, Harry, at this point, is used to being blamed for everything. When Dumbledore walks up, he goes, Sir, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. And Dumbledore's like, no, you idiot. It's a phoenix, okay? <laughs> it's a phoenix. God, read a book, Harry. Read a book. <laughs> he says, pity you had to see him on a burning day. <laughs> and uh, Dumbledore knows Harry isn't telling him everything, but asks anyway. And he's one of the few adults in this movie and franchise that will ask the kids what's going up and actually care. Um, but because uh, Harry has been chronically abused and doesn't know how to trust adults, doesn't tell uh, Dumbledore anything. Uh, Ron, Harry, and Hermione take Polyjuice Potion over Christmas break. Uh, Ron and Harry turn into Crab and Goyle, uh, Malfoy's lackeys, but their voices don't change, uh, which is a change from the books. Um, Hermione stays behind in the meantime. Why? They're not sure. Maybe she's not feeling good. Maybe uh, she turned into something that's not a human, and we'll find out about that in approximately three minutes. Uh, turns out Malfoy doesn't know anything either. Uh, and there's a really good line in there when uh, when uh, Crab Harry and Goyle uh, Ron walk up. Uh, Harry's wearing his glasses. Malfoy goes, why are you wearing those glasses? <laughs> and Harry goes, oh, I was reading. And at this point, uh, the actor playing uh, Tom Felton, playing Draco Malfoy, has a great ad lib where he goes, I didn't know you could read. <laughs> Fantastic, unscripted line. Great in the movie. Um, as everything starts wearing off, uh, Harry and Ron run back to the bathroom. Uh to check on Hermione and they find out why she didn't come with them because she's just a kitty. She's just a little kitty cat, little girl. And while cute, uh, also terrifying. And they ask, Hey, uh, wasn't there a bird in here with you, Hermione? And after she spits out some feathers, we transition to the next scene. I made up that last part. No, <laughs> she didn't actually eat a bird, but I like to think that she did, or she got distracted by a laser or something else. Um, at this point in the movie, Harry finds a journal because we needed to add another dangling plot thread. Uh, and this journal uh, is signed by Ouija board, uh, Tom Riddle. Um, and uh, this, uh, this journal slash Ouija board is from the first time the chamber opened. And we get a bad sepia flashback um, where everything is uh, out of focus except Harry. And we see a younger Dumbledore, but not much younger because Richard Harris was ancient when this movie came out. Uh, actually, when this movie came out, Richard Harris was dead. Uh, That's sad. As he died right before it came out. But he was very old beforehand. Uh, and we find out that Tom Riddle, uh, the person who owns the diary, was interviewed by Dumbledore. And Dumbledore 
doesn't seem to fully trust this young man. Uh, we meet a young Hagrid who is played by someone other than, uh, and I'm blanking on Hagrid's actor's name. So we'll just move on and say it's played by someone else, but voiced by the same actor. <laughs> um, and we come to find out that young Hagrid is protecting Aragog, a giant spider. And I've got to be honest, again, on the list of things that will cause me to grab a gun to shoot, uh, giant spiders yeah don't carry a gun see a giant spider gonna find a gun <laughs> uh so harry has uh one of the great all-time no's as he's pulled out of the flashback and by great all-time no's i mean horrible all-time no's <laughs> uh this is up there with darth vader at the end of revenge of the sith going no <laughs> the cat does not like that Neither did I. Her good, face. Good instinct. see her face. No, Harry gets, Harry gets a, no, Hagrid. And it's just off and honestly way too long. Uh, the next day, someone trashes Harry's room to get the diary. And at this point, Quidditch is canceled after Hermione is petrified and curfews are put into place. So we know that we are entering the last hour of this movie because we are now in the third act. And uh, I got to be honest, my attention isn't great during this movie. And we are uh, approximately three quarters of the way through our notes. And there's about an hour left. Um, so Harry and Ron ask Hagrid what is happening. Hagrid hides them as uh, all of a sudden uh, Cornelius Fudge, the Minister of Magic, comes with Dumbledore and is taken away to Azkaban uh, because Hagrid is a prime suspect in all the petrifications. Dumbledore is suspended by Lucius Malfoy, who apparently has way too much pull on the uh, Ministry of Magic. Dumbledore sees Harry and Ron under the invisibility cloak and Hagrid drops the clue to follow the spiders. They go and they meet Aragog, voiced by Julian Glover of Empire Strikes Back, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, For Your Eyes Only, and Game of Thrones fame. If you're not familiar, he is the guy who will play the villain in any movie he's in. <laughs> if he comes in and you're like, oh, he's friendly. Nope, he's going to be a bad guy at some point. Uh, I've never seen him play a good guy in a movie. Interesting. Fantastic actor, though. Uh and this is not a scene for those with arachnophobia, yeah. is my next note. Because there are spiders everywhere. And they range inside from small kitty up to uh, SUV. And <laughs> yeah. they are massive. And uh, Aragog says, no, this wasn't me. It's something else that scares my, scares my children. Um, and Harry and Ron are like, thanks. And Aragog's like, yeah, um... You're, you're a good-sized meal, so we're going to eat you now. <laughs> um, but before they can be made lunch, the car saves Harry and Ron. Uh, but not before they learned that Moaning Myrtle was the girl that was killed. And the monster is something that even Aragog fears. Um, Harry and Ron go visit Hermione because they need some uh, plot fuel at this point in the movie. And they find a page in her hand. Uh, revealing that the thing that petrified everyone is a basilisk. Uh, at this point in the movie, a final child has been taken, Jenny Weasley, 
and a note reads, her skeleton will lie in the chamber forever. And that's terrifying. Yes. Uh, Harry and Ron black, blackmail Gilroy Lockhart into going with him to find the chamber. And so they go back to the girls' bathroom uh, where they find out that Moaning Myrtle was killed because that's where the basilisk was coming out of. Uh, Harry opens the chamber, which is in the girls' bathroom sink. And I got to be honest, if you're in the girls' bathroom, uh, I've seen lots of terrifying things come out of there. Um, <laughs> just letting you know, uh, if a snake is coming out of there, which giant it, snake. Uh, which it was the girls' bathroom that there really was a snake coming out of the sink. Yeah. At the church. Yeah. And I'm the one that caught it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, I don't. I don't mess around with snakes. <laughs> no. No. If if someone if someone sends me a t- text like, "Hey, Mark, we've got a snake," my response is no. <laughs> you get on the lead. <laughs> or someone else, anyone else. I don't. I don't play with snakes. Okay. We don't mess around. Okay. Adam and Eve first mistake in the garden. Eve sees a snake, she doesn't kill it. She sees a snake and she's like, "Hey, what are you doing, Mister Nice Snake?" And he's like, "Eat this fruit." She's like, "Cool." Uh, anyway, I digress. Uh, da 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 da. Uh, Gilroy thinks he gets the drop on Ron uh, when he faints or fakes fainting, steals Ron's wine, uh, wand. Uh, and we've learned at this point that he's really good at memory charms, if nothing else. And he goes to wipe the boy's memory, only to wipe his own with Ron's broken wand. Uh, Ron decides to stay with Gilroy while Harry goes into the chamber where Tom Riddle is standing over the body of Jenny, Jenny Weasley. We learned that Jenny has been uh, Tom's pawn or puppet. Uh, back in the day, Tom framed Hagrid. Uh, we also learned that Tom Morvolo Riddle uh, is an anagram for I am Lord Voldemort. Uh, fun trivia, in other countries they had to change his name uh, so that the anagram would work. Uh, whenever uh, uh, Lord V, uh, or Tom, whatever we're calling him, calls forth the Basilisk, Fox the Phoenix flies out of nowhere, drops off the sorting hat, and uh, then pecks out its eyes. Which is surprisingly violent for a PG movie. (laughs) Uh, Harry draws the sword of Godric Gryffindor from the sorting hat and kills the beast. In the process, the the basilisk bites down and stabs through Harry's arm, embedding uh, and poisoning him. Let's see here. The ghost of Tom Riddle starts to gloat over the dying boy and girl, but Harry uses the last bit of strength to pull out the fang and destroy the journal, killing Tom. Uh, As Harry sits there thinking he's about to die, thinking, uh, could have been worse, could have been at the Dursleys. Uh, Fox the Phoenix cries on Harry's arm, healing him and Jenny. Uh, Fox then, as we learned earlier, because he can carry heavy, heavy weights, picks up Jenny, Harry, Ron, and Gildroy and flies them all out of the chamber. And I'm like, man, that phoenix had to be hurting on his way out. (laughs) Uh, But whenever they get back to Dumbledore's office, 
Harry is reassured of his nature by Dumbledore, telling him that, hey, no one but a true Gryffindor could have pulled this sword out of the hat. Um, while Dumbledore is talking, Lucius Malfoy shows up saying, hey, weren't you suspended? And Dumbledore goes, hey, a lot of the uh, the people apparently were under the impression that they were going to be cursed if, uh, if I wasn't suspended, and they recanted. So, hey, I'm back. What you going to do, Malfoy? And Malfoy's like, well, isn't this fortunate for everybody? And at this point, we find out that Dobby belongs to the Malfoy, surprising no one, because uh, no one else would have just an absolute horrific house health that apparently liked to hurt itself. <laughs> um, so as Dobby and Malfoy leave, Harry grabs the, the blown-up diary, goes after uh, Malfoy, says, hey, you dropped something. Hands it to Malfoy. Malfoy goes, I don't want this. Hands it to Dobby. And uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I had nothing to do with this diary. He did, but he's lying and he doesn't want to get (laughs) caught. Malfoy knows all the law and order rules. Uh Um, But the one thing he forgot was to check the book because inside the book is one of Harry's socks. And if you give a house elf a sock, you give them their freedom. Yes. And so... Dobby is so excited to be free. Malfoy is so peeved that he straight up plans to murder Harry and starts to cast the killing curse. But in the process, Dobby just kicks him to the curb. Um, Malfoy flees with his tail between his legs. We go and we have our closing scene in the Great Hall where Hagrid returns and everybody in the hall applauds as we go to the credits. So, that was very that was very dense. Yes. A lot going on, much darker uh, and more violent than the last film, but still a fun, quirky adventure. Uh, there's a post-credit scene at the end of the film uh, where uh, we get the book cover of Lockhart's newest book, where it's simply titled "Who Am I?" <laughs> nice. So. Uh, this was a fun one. It was way, way, way too dense. Uh, they could have easily trimmed a plot thread or two. Um, a couple of the red herrings, like Malfoy being a suspect, would have probably streamlined this quite a bit. Um, but uh, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed this. I I can't wait for next week. Uh, Prisoner of Azkaban is one of my favorite movies. Uh, it's probably the one I've seen the most. Yeah. Um, it's one of my favorite Halloween movies, and so I'm really excited for it, which is appropriate since it's coming out the week of yeah. Halloween. Yes. Um, so, guys, I hope you'll join us again next week as we talk about Prisoner of Azkaban. This week was a little bit shorter than last week, and I'm actually grateful for that because it has been a long one. Um, <laughs> I hope you'll join us again next week. Uh, I hope you at the very least didn't hate our last filler episode, which was an old catching up with Marvel. Uh, I've got 14 of those to fill gaps if I need them. So uh, (laughs) it is possible you will hear more of those. Uh, If you've got any feedback, if you want to check in on my social media uh, at Mark Burdett on Twitter uh, or uh, favorite things with Mark on Instagram, uh, or if you can track me down on Facebook, 
uh, don't track me down on Facebook. Just use Instagram or Twitter. <laughs> um, if you want, if you have any feedback about the podcast, just check in with me. Uh, as long as it's not really mean and hate-filled. If you send me something mean and hate-filled, then I'll just cry and block you. Uh, <laughs> so we hope you'll join us again next week for Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, if you like our podcast, please leave a positive review on your podcast service of choice. Uh, it just gives us a little bit more exposure, and we appreciate the likes. Mm-hmm. So we will see you again next week for more favorite things. Bye.